Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Good afternoon and welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Keep, and it's great to be with you here today. And we are getting into the mode, into the zone of Rosh Hashanah. The high holidays are upon us Monday evening. And whether you will be at home this Rosh Hashanah or hopefully, please God, in shul, today I would like to explore and discuss some of the aspects, the themes, the symbolic rituals and the foods and some of the prayers, the significance of Rosh Hashanah and make it as meaningful as possible regardless where you're going to be. Now, of course, Rosh Hashanah this year falls out this coming Monday, the 6th of September in the evening. Monday itself is a very busy day getting ready for the holiday. We have longer slichot service in the morning. We have a tarot nadarim, the annulment of our vows. So it's important to be at the shul, it's just a few days away, and no doubt you've been thinking about what this holiday will look like this year, another year in a pandemic and COVID. And usually we spend Rosh Hashanah with family, with community, with our friends, both at home and at shul. Now, of course, hopefully, as I said, many of us will be in shul, but just considering that I know that plenty of people will not be able to go to shul. And when I speak of shul, I want to just emphasize, shul, I believe, is a very safe and beautiful place to be. At our shul, we have an outdoors. Many shuls have great ventilation and open space. As long as we have the proper physical distancing and plenty of social closeness, that's the place you should be. That's the place we celebrate. But even if you're celebrating at home, you could certainly make it most meaningful and make it the best you can. Nothing, of course, can replace the camaraderie of friends around your dinner table and joining with community at shul for the solemn and the deeply meaningful prayers. But nevertheless, there is a lot that can be done at home. And I hope that today, in today's show, we could talk a little bit about how to make it most enjoyable and deeply meaningful, regardless of where you'll be. So... Let's just begin with an overview of the Rosh Hashanah, the theme of Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, it's the first day of the Jewish calendar year. It's our Jewish New Year. It's the day of fresh beginnings. No matter what happened last year on Rosh Hashanah, we could turn over a new leaf. We could start fresh in our personal lives, in our social lives, in our professional lives, and most meaningfully, in our spiritual lives. Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment, all living beings pass before God and Hashem decides our destiny for the year. So of course, it's prayer and repentance. We call it the Jewish CPR. Teshuva, Tefillah, Tzedakah. Charity, prayer and repentance. Those are the major themes of this holiday that could resuscitate our souls, that could bring us back to life that we really truly need this time of the year. And as being the birthday of humanity, as Adam and Eve were created on this day, In fact, today, the 25th of Elul, is the birthday of the world. This is the anniversary of the world's creation, but it's not the day we celebrate. We mark the day humanity was born as Rosh Hashanah, rather than marking the anniversary of creation six days prior. Because the God-given purpose of the universe is only fulfilled through humanity. So it's a fitting day to reflect and commit to our unique individual purpose in this world. You know, Adam's first step towards fulfilling his purpose was to invite all of creation to crown God as king of the universe. 
Every year on this day, we do the same. In our prayers and through the shofar, we coronate God as our king and we submit to his rule. So to celebrate these themes, these ideas, we have a very comprehensive formula and that includes various prayers that we say from the machzor. And I want to remind you, the right prayer to say is the prayer that resonates and connects with you. Of course, ideally, you could use all the prayers of the machzor because these are really significant prayers that were composed by great sages and scholars in yesteryear. But it's important to see the prayers in a sense like a greeting card. A greeting card on its own, you buy it in one of the shops, it's generic, it's raw. It's only you when you put your heart, your soul, your personal message, your signature to it, that makes it genuine, sincere and real. And the same applies to our prayers. When you put your personal meaning, your connection to Hashem, that's what makes your prayer significant. Of course, it's a time for introspection and for family meals to enjoy and all the rituals. And this is a time to remind ourselves that there are many people out there in our community, especially senior citizens that we at Chabad House look after, who don't have food for Yom Tov, who are lonely, who are isolated. This is an opportunity for each of us to pitch in, to do what we can to assist them, to help them in every way possible. And I invite you to join us at Chabad House, to join our weekly food parcels, we might not get the same media exposure as some of the other organizations, but we know we are making a difference in so many people's lives. If you want to join us as a volunteer, if you want to join us as a sponsor, if you have food that you want to share with the, with the senior citizens in our community, then I implore you to touch base with me after this show and join forces with us. You can be a partner with us in helping hundreds, literally hundreds and hundreds of seniors in our community that we at Chabad House look after because many of these people in quarantine, many people will not be able to celebrate the way you and I are able to celebrate this Yom Tov. So let's talk a little bit how we could celebrate the Yom Tov because planning and preparation are key to a successful holiday. You know the five P's, what do they say? Proper preparation prevents poor performance. You want to have a good Yom Tov, then our sages and the Gemara tell us, Mishatarach Be'erev Shabbos, Yoichel B'Shabbos. If you prepare now, then you'll be able to enjoy then. So especially now with uh, the many people facing the prospect of, of creating a Rosh Hashanah environment at home for those who aren't able to go out there. So I'm talking specifically to you, but to everyone. Make sure you have your machser now. If you don't have one, touch base with Chabad Books. Go to the bookstore. Get yourself a machser. You could download one from the internet. I could WhatsApp you. A sampling of the machzor. We put together a beautiful, magnificent high holiday guide that includes all the instructions. It's a DIY for every year. Exactly what you need to do to have a perfect, beautiful Rosh Hashanah holiday. So you have to make sure you have the machzor. It's the high holiday prayer book. It includes all the prayers, all the blessings, the kiddush, the, the benching. And it's important that you get it. It will have everything you need. Make sure you have all the important foods you want for the holiday, for this festival. We have specially round chalas for Rosh Hashanah and wine and especially the, all the other symbolic traditional Rosh Hashanah foods that we're going to discuss in a moment. Make sure you have the, the candles for, for Yom Tov candle lighting as well as for a yard, yard side kind of candle so that you could light from a pre-existing flame. 
and make the arrangements if you're not going to shul. Firstly, for example, at my shul, Santon Central Shul, we will begin the Shachar services both on Tuesday and Wednesday at 8.30 a.m. But I don't expect everybody to be there at 8.30 in the morning. But by 11 o'clock, when we're blowing the shofar, it's a good time to come. You can stand outside, socially distanced, in the open ear, and hear the shofar. Make this arrangement with your shul. Make sure you could be there to hear the shofar. I know at Chabad House, we're organizing that many people who can't make it to shul, we will bring the shofar hearing to them. So if you can't go to shul, then see if you could coordinate with your rabbi or with a volunteer from Chabad House to come blow the shofar for you wherever you are. And of course, it's not only about the physical preparations, and there are lots of physical preparations we have to keep in mind because we have to get groomed and ready for Yom Tov. You know, you have to look good. So it's about um, getting your food. Um, we'll talk about food. We, we talk about, uh, you know, Erev Yom Tov. For men, it means going to a mikvah if possible, bathing, showering, grooming your hair, your nails, maybe getting a haircut today or tomorrow. And making sure you have your, for the ladies, your perfumes, your makeup, for the men, your cologne, your, your holiday best, your finest. Maybe even to get a nice new suit or, or something new in honor of the holiday. The halacha talks about getting new clothing, new garments in honor of the festival. That would be something very appropriate. So these are things that we should do. Make sure on your preemptive shopping list, you take care of all the foods that you're going to need that you're, that are your favorites, whatever they might be, because different people have different favorites of foods. But make sure you go get those things now. You have enough wine or grape juice for Kiddush. You have enough chalas, at least five chalas, because you need to have lecha mishnah, two per meal. And the specific meals would be Monday evening, Tuesday lunch, Tuesday evening, and Wednesday lunch. That makes it for five chalas. Honey, we dip our chala into honey. Um, on Rosh Hashanah, we also have various symbolic foods that we grace our tables with. Apples dipped in honey, right? We have, uh, we try to get a new fruit that you haven't yet eaten this season. So look out there and see what nice new fruits available at, in the kosher supermarkets. Make sure you've got, uh, pomegranate is a specific type of fruit that we eat on Yom Tov because it has a symbolism of Lots of seeds, and we want to have lots of merit, and we want to have lots of health, and we want to have lots of children, we want to have lots of mitzvahs, we want to have lots of money in our bank account. So make sure you go out there and get pomegranate and all the other goodies. And of course, you want to make sure your table's set beautifully, and the home is nice and clean, you have nice fresh flowers, your beautiful stylish candlesticks, whether you have the the traditional silver candlesticks, or my mother-in-law, God bless her, has this most beautiful arrangement. She has these floating candles and a crystal dish with flower petals and marbles and mirrors. It's magnificent. It, what The way it, it beautifies her Yom Tov table. Make sure you have a nice, elegant Kiddush cup, a beautiful Becher, a nice challah cover, cutting board. You have the knife ready to cut your challah. That your tablecloth should be pressed and, and crisp and beautiful. Everything you want to have the finest dishware, glassware, flatware, napkins, serviettes. You want to make sure the home is looking good, that the the floors are clean, the kitchen is tidy, that the the, the carpets are vacuumed, that the, there's no laundry hanging around, that the home is looking really beautiful and ready to welcome the Yom Tov. Because after all, it's Rosh Hashanah. It's the beginning of the year. We want to start on the right foot. So make sure we're prepared physically as well as spiritually work on our own spiritual preparation because this is the time 
I would say specifically as we're approaching Rosh Hashanah now, set aside some time to reflect on our behavior of the past year and make those resolutions for improvement in the coming year. After all, in business, you do exactly that. You take stock, you take an accounting of how things went and how things could improve. That's exactly what we should be doing, both in our relationship with our fellow human beings as well as very importantly in our relationship with God and our spiritual relationship, make sure to do all those things before. So you have a lot to do in preparation. And as Monday evening comes around and candle lighting arrives, we usher in the Yom Tiv with, as we do every Shabbos, lighting the Yom Tiv candles. And of course, make sure to do so at sunset. But unlike on a Friday night, when you can't light after the 18 minutes are up, and Yom Tiv you can light at any time, so... Some people try to do it by the meal, but of course it's the way to welcome, to embrace the Yom Tov, so it would be appropriate to do it when the Yom Tov is beginning, and that would certainly be uh, the, the the way to do it. But of course, if you missed it for any reason, you can continue even afterwards. Now, davening, of course, it is Yom Tov, it's Rosh Hashanah, there are specific tunes, and it's appropriate to be in shul, and to remember the beautiful tunes, but if you can't be in shul, then here's a quick reminder, when you're, if you're at home, then before you begin, select a suitable location in your house, preferably at a table or in front of a wall. Make sure there's a comfortable place where you could sit or you could stand, depending which prayers. And if you have family with you, invite them around. You all daven together. And even though you might not be praying with a minion if you don't go to shul, it's still preferable to, to pray at the exact same time that the service is taking place at your shul. So make sure to do exactly that. And the prayer service is actually quite short. It begins with Shir Hamalot in the Chabad Machsor. I think it is on page 27. And the specific tune. Na, 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 so try to pray in that beautiful tune. Of course, uh, you might have a better voice than I do. But remember, there are specific prayers. The Amida has the, it begins with the theme of Rosh Hashanah. That's the very first prayer that we have that has the theme of Rosh Hashanah. And uh, just to look at one particular specific prayer in the Amida, because every Amida has its theme, but the theme of the Rosh Hashanah Amida is our heartfelt plea that the world embrace God as its creator and sovereign, that it revere Hashem, and that it tremble in awe before Hashem's majestic grandeur. And we know, we know, we know that we must open our hearts to God sincerely, with, with, with sincerity, genuinely. But regardless of how open we are, there's that unbridgeable gap we realize between us finite human beings and Almighty God who's infinite. But today, you know, we could believe in God, but we can't see God. Therefore, we can't really know God. That's what Hashem said to Moshe. No man can see me and live. But when Mashiach comes, we will see God. We will know God with the very same intimacy that we know ourselves. And it's for this special moment that we say this prayer, that we are welcoming the Rosh Hashanah in our lives. And um, just one more is after the Amida on Monday evening, there's a specific prayer from Psalm 24 of Tehillim, the David Mizmar. It's a beautiful prayer. And the idea is that every year on Rosh Hashanah, 
God consents to animate the world for a term of a year. Each year, God gives us a new year lease in this world. And it means that at the beginning of the first night of Rosh Hashanah, our term is ended. It's starting anew. So the world is on probation. Will God agree to give us another good year? Will we get the health we need? Will we have the blessings, the prosperity that we, that we so eagerly and the world needs healing? That depends very much on how much we deserve it. So knowing that our future hangs in the balance, we recite the Psalm 24. So my friends, this is actually a good omen. They call it for, for uh, prosperity by recognizing that everything we have is in the hands of God. We ask God to give us the blessings of the world. Our evening service in shul concludes with each person wishing each other, whether at home or in shul, l'shana tova tikasevisechasem. May you be inscribed and sealed for a good year. And our sages taught that every one of us has the power to grant blessing, so we should utilize these powers liberally. You have an unlimited credit card with abundant blessings in it. Utilize it to offer blessings with an open heart to all our friends. And even though, yes, already this time of the year we're saying Shana Tova, that's the customary greeting, but on Rosh Hashanah, especially on the first night, we say that a person should be inscribed and sealed because that's the day of judgment. So we assume the best for each other and we're confident that our judgment will be favorable in God's eyes and each of us will indeed merit all the blessings for a good year. We'll be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to Soltus Already on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Rabbi Keeping Great to be with you. And we'll just take a moment to quickly reflect on the evening service as you come home from shul. Or if you are already home, then get straight into Kiddush, sanctifying the day. And uh, there's a special Yom Tov Kiddush that we recite. Melech al kol horetz mekadesh Yisroel v'yoyim and we conclude with Shechayanu Vekimanu Vehigianu Lizman Right away after after making Kiddush, make your way to the sink. You're going to wash your hands ritually as we usually do. Recite the Hamoti blessing on your challah. The difference is that in Rosh Hashanah we do not eat the customary, usual challah that we have that's braided on a usual Friday night. But instead, on Rosh Hashanah, we eat braided, we eat round challah. And the symbolism of the round challah, of course, is that we want our blessings, just as the challah that's round has no beginning or end. It is round, it is continuous. We want our blessings from God to be continuous, unending. We want abundant blessings in our lives. And that's the symbolism of the round challah. Just going to quickly take you through a few of the symbolisms of the various foods that we eat in Rosh Hashanah that are ripe with symbols. And uh, there are various customs out there, so go with whatever custom you are used to. Of course, the challah, we dip in honey. 
and we want a sweet year. We want all the things of life. The honey comes from a bee. We want all the things of the past year to be transformed into sweet, delicious honey in our life. So the custom is to take an apple and dip it into honey because we want the blessing concrete in our life. We do something to emphasize it. And we say a prayer, that God should renew for us a good and a sweet year. Everything coming from God is good, but we want it should also be sweet, that we should feel how good it is. I'm going to quickly go through a few of the traditional dishes that are symbolic of our wishes on Rosh Hashanah. So for example, we have pomegranate, that our merits should be as numerous as the seeds in a pomegranate. We should have abundant blessings. We should have bank accounts filled with all good things that we mentioned. We want people have a head of a fish or a head of a, of a sheep, that we should be a head and not a tail in life. And we also have foods made with carrots because the Hebrew, the Yiddish word for carrot is merin, which means to multiply. We want Again, it's the concept of multiplying. At our shul, we only believe in addition and multiplication. We always want more people and a lot more numerous, multiplying. One thing we don't like to have is subtraction and certainly not division. The only division we have is a little mechitza. The reason for the mechitza simply is yours truly, the rabbi, is a shtickle boring. He puts everyone to sleep. We just can't have them all sleeping together in shul. And other people have a custom of eating beets because beets, we want to beat our Yetzirah, beat the enemies. But the, the Hebrew word for beet is silka, which also means to remove. We want God to remove all negativity, all our foes from us. And there's also a custom people have squash because the Hebrew word for squash is kara. And kara means to be read aloud. We want all our merits and good deeds to be noticed, to be allowed. And certainly so. We also have to make sure our meal is filled with joy and festivity to enjoy each other's company and sing songs, enjoy each other's company at the Yomtev meal. Isn't that the way to celebrate, to be with each other's company, telling stories and sharing good resolutions for the coming year? Make it beautiful, make it lovely. Bench and be a mensch and we'll be right back. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 High FM. And now we're going straight into discussing. Now we're going to discuss the morning service of Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah, the liturgy is significantly longer than most days of the year. It's a day of such importance that it requires a great deal, as we discussed, of introspection. To reach the space deep within that is eternally connected to God. So we have to transcend the pettiness and the shallowness that mark our thoughts throughout the year, we have to reach deep for that sanctity, the profundity and godliness that we all have. We all have that spark within us. So, in a sense, this year, I mean, I, I, I'm, not in, I'm not discouraging anybody from going to shul, but for those who don't go to shul, it has its advantage. Because when you're davening with a congregation, with all the benefits and that I encourage and I endorse and I promote that everybody should be in shul, there, there is something unique about home that some people are able to reach. Because when you're at home, you're, you have less distraction perhaps. Okay, but still, I will still encourage everybody to go to shul. But at home, you're not going to have the noise, the chatter that could sometimes interfere with our concentration. And, uh, you know, rabbis often sermonize in Rosh Hashanah, about all the global and political issues, and there'll be no shortage of what rabbis could talk about this Rosh Hashanah. But at home, 
you get to focus on your own personal journey that each of us is making. So when you daven at home, you could delve into your personal journey with fewer distractions. You could achieve that objective of Rosh Hashanah to come out stronger and more vibrant in our bond with God. With all that said, still try to go to shul because there is the importance of joining together, of praying with a minion, and we each uplift each other's prayers. Now, throughout the prayers, you know, the usual prayers that you would say every morning at home, all the way through the Pesukah de Zimra, I would say the Rosh Hashanah tune actually begins already from the beginning. If I'm looking inside my machzor, you know, the, even the Hodu, the very beginning, Hodu Lashem the way each tune concludes, it all concludes with a specific tune that's related to Rosh Hashanah. You know, Baruch Shamar and a regular Shabbos has its way of ending. Rosh Hashanah has its tune. Right? Melech So even if you're at home, try to keep in mind the particular tunes of Rosh Hashanah. But I'm going to go straight to, in my machzor, it's page 80 in the Chabad machzor, which is the section after the conclusion of the Pesuke de Zimra, which are, literally means verses of song. And we say these verses of song all the time. We praise God in these various passages as our creator, as our provider, that God takes care of all our needs. We describe Hashem's greatness. And this is all to stimulate our admiration of Hashem and to bring us into that state of humble submission to God. But it's interesting, in a regular sitter, there's no stories generally. In the Chabad Machser in front of me, and I'm not sure about the art scroll one, but I'm not going to check right now, there is a story. And it's very interesting, why is there a story inserted inside the Machser? The story is about a great Hasidic rabbi named Rabbi Aaron of Karlin. And the story references a Talmudic tale about Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai. When he escaped from Jerusalem in a coffin, and he miraculously gets out, and he approaches, he makes it to the camp of Vespasian, who was the general at the time. And he addressed Vespasian as the king. And Vespasian at the moment says, How dare you call me king? I'm not the Caesar, the great Caesar's in Rome. Now you're liable for death. So, Rabbi Yochanan Zakkai explains the situation to him. And the second question Vespasian asks him, which he was correct on this because Rabbi Yochanan said, you are destined to become the next emperor, so I already regard you with that honor. But, and moments later, he actually was informed that the Caesar died and he was appointed by the Roman Senate as the next governor, the next Caesar. But what was most interesting is Vespasian asks him, if you knew all along that I was destined to be king, then why didn't you come earlier? And why is this story in the Machsar? Because Rabbi Aaron of Karlin, when he remembered the story, when he reached this point in his, in his prayers, he would remember the story when we say these words, HaMelech, describing HaMelech, Hashem is, that God is, is sitting on the lofty and sublime throne. So Rabbi Aaron of Kali would remember the story of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai and of Vespasian 
says, if God is king, where was I till now? He would cry thinking, you know, uh, where am I? And you think about the story all year long, we know that God is king. But on Rosh Hashanah, we feel it. It seeps into our bones. It permeates us to the core. The question is, what took so long? Where were we until now? That's the question. You know, when doctors inform patients that they have weeks to live, God forbid, and they tell them, you know, put your things in order. Put your affairs in order. Since we never know when that time will come. When I go to the restaurant and... Okay, I haven't been to a restaurant in ages. But they ask me, you want regular Coke or Diet Coke? I always say, I don't want a diet. I don't know when that's going to come. But if we never know when we will die, then certainly we have to live every day as if it's our last day. That's a Mishnah in Perky Avos that tells us this. Persons, Don't say I'll do it when I can because... We never know. Maybe we won't be able to. Who knows what could happen in five minutes, God forbid. We have to carpe diem, they say in Latin. Seize the moment now. And this is the theme of this pre- the, the story being inserted here in the prayer. Because don't leave things for tomorrow. The Mishnah says we should do teshuva the day before we're going to die. We don't know what day we're going to die. So every day is appropriate for teshuva. Don't leave it for tomorrow, the next day procrastinating. If we could achieve, we could accomplish today. Let's do so. We can't postpone approaching God as our king until Rosh Hashanah. Every day has to be like Rosh Hashanah. Yes, and indeed today we say the 25th of Elul. It's like a Rosh Hashanah because this is the anniversary of the creation of the world. Today, Rosh Hashanah will, will commemorate the creation of the first human beings, Adam and Eve. But today, so when we come to these words in the prayer, HaMelech, and maybe you could sing it with a little bit more vibrancy, but you got to feel it. So as you go through the coming prayers, you'll have the prayers of the Shema. It's a little bit shorter than on Shabbos because it's a weekday. Usually on Shabbos, we add specific prayers related to Shabbos, which are not going to be there on Yom Tov. So you go through the Shema. And the real part in the prayer for Rosh Hashanah, other than this additional prefix, hey, for Hamelech, is the Amida. The Amida is quite long. But that's where we begin to mention the theme of Rosh Hashanah. And it's appropriate to read at least some of the liturgy that is usually chanted by the um, congregation when the Chazan repeats the Amidah. So there's the silent Amidah. We stand with our feet together in silent devotion and we pray the Amidah. That's the silent Amidah. But then if you're in Shul, you'll get to hear the Chazan do the repetition, which has a lot of very meaningful and deep, significant prayers in it. But if you're not in Shul, then try to cover some of those prayers and go through some of the, the songs. I mean, there's some beautiful tunes in the Amida that would be so appropriate to do if, if even in your own personal space. And although you're not going to repeat the Amida without a minion because we don't do so, but you could still read some of those prayers that are in the repetition. And I thought I would share with you at least one of them here now. So let me just put it on the screen. And here, this one, we're going to do right here. Shapir um, Ma'asechem, which is about improving our behavior. Okay, so let's just read it here together, and it reads as follows. Improve your deeds that the covenant shall not be annulled. He who has spread out the heavens as a canopy shall hear your cry, and it will please God more 
than a sacrifice of oxen or holy men. So this prayer, and I think of this one right here, now as we're as we say it, we we think of these words, and they're quite significant, they're quite important. Just you know, looking at it, obviously there are, there are so many that we could choose, but this one the Chazan is saying here that we should improve our deeds, and it, it encapsulates our efforts to do teshuva, to repent for our shortcomings on this day of judgment on Rosh Hashanah. On this day, God weighs our actions. If we have more good deeds than sins, our verdict for the coming year will be positive. It's going to be good. And if the opposite is true, we have to repent. We have to improve. If you go back to the YouTube channel or Facebook and get the shir, we talked about the teshuva is not something that has to be depressing, melancholy, sad. Teshuva should be joyous because we realize God's going to forgive us. So this is what it's about. But before we can repent, we have to take an accounting of our actions. We have to recognize our good. We have to acknowledge all our positive. And we also have to be aware of what needs improvements, of our faults, of our shortcomings, so that we know the score. This concept is called Cheshban Hanafesh. It's an accounting of the soul. And in these days leading up to Rosh Hashanah, we have just five days. Let's take careful stock of our behavior, of our attitudes, of our religious disposition. Let's resolve. Part of teshuva is, is to have a achlata, a resolution, to correct our faults, to bolster our strengths. Now that the day of awe has arrived, we're beyond accounting. We know precisely which areas we have grown and we've come closer to God and to our fellow human beings. We have the exact measure of our soul and now it's not good enough to just, you know, say, I'm good, I'm bad. We have to actually take action. In our Parsha this week, Moshe Rabbeinu says to the Jewish people, don't think the Torah is so distant, so remote. It's so close to you. In your mouth and in your heart. The main thing though is to do it. How many people talk about, oh yeah, I wish I could come to Shul. Uh, they're so Jewish in their heart, they're constantly having heart attacks, cardiac arrests, because they're putting too much pressure, the Judaism all on their hearts. Stop putting all the pressure on your heart. The main thing Marsha says is La Saisa to do it. And this is what we say in our prayer here. Shapru This prayer is about improving our deeds. To leave our past in the past and ensure that tomorrow will be much better. That's what we say. Morgan Vatzaingarandash. So this is the idea to actually take action, to do something about it. And this kind of thinking perhaps could produce a little bit of a moan, a krechts from deep within that echoes across the canopy of the heavens. The essence of our soul is wrapped up in the moan and where we feel, I, I, I could use some improvement in my life. And it's not that we're, you know, obviously in the times of the temple you could offer a sacrifice. And we mention that here in the prayer. But here the sacrifice is our very selves that I'm willing to change. Karban means... Sacrifice means to come closer to God. How do I come closer to God? By making and implementing the changes. Even if they're not comfortable. They might not be comfortable. But if we do this, we know that we will be inscribed for a good year because I'm doing something concrete to make a difference. What happened here? Apologies. Okay. All right. Now, let's... Yeah. Is this all in the... uh... 
Yeah, this is all in the Amida, but I, I just gave you one theme of the Amida. There's many themes in the Amida. I just thought in one presentation, don't have the time to go through all of them. So I thought I'll just give you one one theme of the Amida. But the Amida is filled with beautiful songs and prayers, and uh, you'll you'll go through it. And you know what I would I would recommend? You'll find the prayers that resonate with you. And that's where you should spend some time. Don't worry what page the Chazan is on, even though we said you should daven at the same time the Shul davens, because, you know, it just gets you started, it gets you going. But if you're not in Shul, or even if you are in Shul, find the prayer that talks to you, that, that you feel that you connect with Hashem, and, res- you know, say that prayer if it resonates with you. After the Amida is done, we go into the next part of the davening, and that is Avinu Malkeinu. And this is... There's a beautiful tune from the Alter Rebbe. Avinu Malkeinu Ein lanu melech Ein lanu melech Elot So we have no king but you. And it's a heartfelt prayer that we're seeking to reunite with God. There's 39 stanzas in this prayer. They're filled with pleas for forgiveness and reconciliation. And it's also filled with prayers for healing, for sustenance, for other materialistic needs. So this is Avinu Malkenu, and it concludes with this last passage. Avinu Malkenu, Choneinu Vaneinu. Ovinu malkenu chonenu vanenu kiem bonu masim aseimanu tzedaka vachesed aseimanu tzedaka vachesed vehoshienu. Our Father, our King, be gracious to us and answer us if we have no meritorious deeds. We ask God, deal charitably and kindly with us and deliver us. You think about this, the mark of the righteous, they don't ask God to bless them on account of their own good deeds. Do I really deserve? Am I entitled? They're far too humble to demand payment for what they do that's good. But rather instead, we ask Hashem in the merit of all the others, right? We throw ourselves in mercy with humility before Hashem. And so, if I'm not asking based on what I want and what I deserve, we ask God to give in God's bountiful way. You know, I I heard a story recently of a king who once gave a rabbi a gift of $50,000 in honor of the rabbi's son's bar mitzvah. And the rabbi said to the king, that's a lot of money. It's too much money for my kid. 13-year-old boy, $50,000 gift. So the king said to the rabbi, It's true, for the boy it might be too much. But a king must give in royal measure. This is what we're saying here in Avinu Makenu. If we ask God according to our measure, according to what we're entitled and deserve, eh, it will, I mean, maybe you'll get, I don't know about me. But if we're asking according to God's measure, then God is infinite. And God will give us abundantly. Okay, the next order, I'm going through it quickly because we don't have very much time left. Let's talk about the theme. Let's talk about the Torah readings. Okay, we're going to take the Torahs out of the Ark. There are some additional parts that we say in when we take the Torah out of the Ark. For example, when we say the Shema, usually we just say Echad Elokeinu Gadol Adonenu 
Kadosh Shema. On this festival, we're going to add the words Kadosh Venora. Holy and awesome is God's name because we feel the awe of Hashem. Let's quickly talk about the Torah reading of Rosh Hashanah. The first day's Torah reading on Tuesday, the theme of this Torah reading is the birth of Yitzchak Avinu Isaac. And the Haftarah of Tuesday is about the birth of Shmuel Anami, the prophet Samuel. What's the common denominator? Both Sarah Imenu and the mother of Yitzchak. And Hannah was the mother of Shmuel the prophet. They were both barren for many years. They struggled with fertility. Neither of them was able to have children naturally. Yet God remembered them for a blessing on this day. And they conceived against all odds. And we think about, we, we learned that Adam and Eve were created on the first Rosh Hashanah, 5,782 years ago. On that day, God brought forth human life when there were no precedents for human life form. Absolute nothingness. And this teaches us that Rosh Hashanah is a day for the tenacity and emergence of life despite all odds. It reminds us that this is a day of life and renewal despite the barriers, notwithstanding what impediments and obstacles we faced, whatever the past year, whatever stings and difficult struggles and challenges we may have encountered, but we could turn over a new leaf. We could transcend the natural order. Whatever struggles or challenges you might be going through, just recognize this Rosh Hashanah. This is a day that God gives blessings. God brought these barren women to have children. God could give you every any blessing you need and you require in your life. The second day's Torah reading is describing the binding of Isaac, Akedas Yitzchak. God tested Avram Avinu and Yitzchak, their commitment by instructing him to place Yitzchak on the altar as an offering to God. And Avraham and Yitzchak did so unflinchingly. God instructed Avraham to untie a son, to let him live because Al-Kedah, we know that's trouble. Judaism is Akeda, sacrifice for God, we don't sacrifice others. So this Torah reading, of course, reminds us that God is greater than life. And if it ever comes down to a choice between God and us, we always choose God. That's the history of the Jews. You know, I once heard an expression, how odd of God to choose, uh, now, how odd of God to choose the Jews. It's not so odd the Jews chose God. This is the day that we demonstrate how Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son Yitzchak for God. But of course, that's not the, the, that's not the idea of sacrificing our children. Throughout Jewish history, thousands of Jews have died for God. We generally choose life. But if it comes to a choice between God and life, we choose God. And this Torah reading tells us that there's something even more important than dying for God. And that's the conclusion of the Torah reading. What is it? He didn't kill his son. Because God said it's more important to live. We live for God. When circumstances force us to choose between God and life, yes, we choose God. But under ordinary circumstances, the choice is not between life and death. It's between living for us, narcissistically, self-centeredly, and living for God. Living for a higher purpose. If our interests in life are physical enjoyment and bodily pleasure, we're living for ourselves. God told Isaac that he wants him to live, but as a sacred offering, not for self-enjoyment. And God wants the same from each of us. God wants us to make our bodies into instruments of our souls. To turn our lives into sacred offerings. This means to live each moment 
with a single objective, to serve God, to make the world a holier, more beautiful place. So, after reading the Torah and the Haftarah, what are we up to? The main mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah, which is to hear the shofar. The shofar is that main mitzvah. Now, just think for a moment. If you're blowing a trumpet to announce the commencement of a party, you wouldn't pay much attention to the precise length or, or key. But when you blow the trumpet in a symphony, your notes have to be precise and on key. If they're a tad too long or a little bit too short, or if in the wrong order, it's going to throw the entire orchestra off key. I mean, I, I know, I'm no professional singer, but I know when that happens. And the chauffeur sounds like a simple blast, but it stimulates a symphony of spiritual responses in heaven. And that's the reason. The notes of the shofar aren't just, we're not stunned just blowing the shofar. They have to be precise in their length and their order. In general, there are the three notes. There's a long one called the tekiah. There's an intermediate one called shvarim. And there's a short one called teruah. And each must last a precise length of time. If one is a tad too long or a tad too short, it's disqualified. If we fail to pause for a breath between two notes and one spills into the next, it's disqualified. If even a single note is sounded out of order, all the notes are disqualified. You have to go back to the previous set. So I hope you get an understanding now why the person who sounds the shofar, you can't just have an ordinary person. It has to be somebody who's well-versed, well-trained to do it properly. If the sounds are off by even just a little bit, the mitzvah is not fulfilled. So it would take, you know, it would, you, you can't just... You, you don't reach a website if you type in the wrong number. You're not going to reach somebody on the phone if you dial the number incorrectly. And that's the same thing. You want, you want the objective of the chauffeur to be met. So the chauffeur has to be blown in the proper way. And that's why it's important to arrange for someone qualified to sound the chauffeur for you on both days of Rosh Hashanah.